The Inside Ellen Road podcast is sponsored by PR Supplies at Unit 2 Wither Park Industrial Estate Leeds, postcode LS53AP. Check out PR Supplies on Facebook for all your home retail needs. Hello, welcome back to the Inside Ellen Road podcast. It's deadline day, or at least that's when we're recording this episode. And I'll tell you what, Leeds might be coming out of this window with a new right back. Connor Roberts has had his medical, terms agreed, personal and between clubs, joining up with fellow Wales international teammates, Joe Rodan, Dan James, Ethan Ampadu. Um, we hope and pray we aren't in for a Bamba Dieng type situation here, because that would mean this recording never sees the light of day. Uh, so if you are listening to this, it's probably quite safe to assume Connor Roberts is or is about to become a Leeds United player. Um, there's a lot to, to discuss and dissect. And with me, as always, is YEP Chief Football Writer, Graham Smith. Um, Graham, they've left it late. But finally, it appears they're going to come out of this window with reinforcements after all. Yeah, that's right. Um, interesting that you mentioned the light of day. Looks like you could do with the light of day, given that you're you're in your car. Are you doing a Peter Odenwingy? Are you rocking up at uh, Manchester Evening News or something <laughs> at the gates in your car? Um, you're a bit like uh, Jan Paveda, you know, sat at the services waiting to find out your, your next uh, destination. Um, yes, it, it looks like they will get the right back. Um, it was well down the line this afternoon. Medical was booked. He spoke to Daniel Farker this morning and um, Farker loves Welsh players because um, he's got this strange thing in his head about them being really, really tough. Um, obviously, there's a player that's well known to Ampadu and Rodon and James. So um, he'll join the Welsh Mafia at Elland Road. We're expecting that one to go through without any hitches tonight. Um, you say that, obviously, with your fingers and your toes crossed because um, Leeds have had some shenanigans and jiggery-pokery on uh, on transfer deadline nights, as we know, but it doesn't have the feel of a particularly risky one. This Burnley uh, were quite happy, I think, for him to, to head out. Um, he has played recently. I mean, he played last night, didn't he, against Manchester City for half an hour. So he passes the test for Daniel Farker in terms of players who've actually played of late. Um, so he must have passed all the Farker tests. You know, Farker must be convinced because that was the only way somebody was going to come in. Um, but it's still been an interesting day out with the uh, the Conor Roberts stuff, hasn't it? Yeah, um, there was obviously the, the links earlier this morning um, that uh, Harry Sutter at Leicester City was um was a player of interest for Leeds. Um, obviously, Leicester unwilling to strengthen a promotion rival, which was always probably going to be the case, um, despite them being 12 points clear. Um, I mean, I, I could have seen why Leeds are, were keen to bring in another central defender, but I think the, the main position is the one that they are bringing somebody in. in. Yeah, I mean, I would have liked a, a left-back as well, um, just because... All three of the players who could play at left-back have had injury problems this season. Junior Firpo, Sam Byram, um, with knee and hamstring problems, respectively. I think Firpo's had his own hamstring, groin problem, was it, or hamstring? He, he had a muscle strain anyway. And Jamie Shackleton, who can also play there, he's had his niggles as well. Um, but you have to think that between the five full-back options that they'll now have after Roberts, that they should be able to see see out the remaining 17 games between them. Byram and Firpo are fit right now. Uh, Gray is back available. Uh, Shackleton is available. 
and Connor Roberts is fit as well. So, um, yeah, covering the two flanks of the defence shouldn't be too much of an issue when you've got five players who can do it. Um, if you were being really greedy, you probably would have liked a 10, but those are probably quite hard to come by, You know, particularly ones that are in form because you're going to have to buy them. And it, I think we all know, as Fark has made it abundantly clear, profitability and sustainability just wouldn't let Leeds splash the cash in this month. Um, but it, I think it was absolutely vital to get at least one defender in and uh, I think it really would have been seen as quite negligent had the window closed or if the window is to close without them actually strengthening. So um, I think Roberts will be a welcome addition by by most people. Um, I think a lot of people would have been a little happier with maybe one other or maybe two others. Yeah, do you think there's the possibility that when Daniel Farker found out that Harry Suter wasn't in fact Welsh, that he decided to, to pull the plug on, on a deal and maybe the, the Leicester City... Um, saying they're not going to strengthen a promotion rival is actually uh, a saving face sort of line. Well, because he's Scotch Australian or or Scozzy, as uh, Scozzy, as I believe, yeah. as, as believe yeah. the term goes. Um, yeah, maybe that had an impact. Uh, I just could never see it. The suitor one. I was I was intrigued by Leeds' interest because it suggested that they thought there was maybe a possibility. But the idea of Leicester strengthening a team that's only what twelve points behind, fifty-one points left on the table. Um, and a fan base in uproar, outraged at the fact that they're top of the table and playing football that is maybe not the most attractive they've ever seen. Um, Leicester fans a bit arced at their own January signings uh, or lack thereof until today. Uh, and, and their manager, Maresca, you know, making those comments about quitting the club if, if people aren't on board, you know, if not everybody's uh, buying in. So he's not doing much. He's not doing much there for Italian stereotypes, is he? About managers maybe being a bit overly emotional. No, and you can say that. You know, with your Italian heritage, I wouldn't have. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have said that personally. Um, yeah, I just don't think they could have uh, pulled the tail of the fans another time this week and, and sent Suter to Leeds. And as far as we're aware, when it came to centre backs, it was Suter or no one for Leeds today. You know, they were exploring that one, but if that one didn't come off, I mean, we say all this with the caveat that anything can happen between now and the end of the window. But we're recording with about four hours left in the window, aren't we? So if you are going to get something done, it's going to have to be something that you can actually physically do. I mean, Suter is actually in Qatar at the Asia Cup. That that wasn't necessarily a hard barrier to a transfer because you can get medicals done in situ. You know, you can you can outsource your medical and get the scan sent over. Willie Nyonto was signed while he was still in Zurich, wasn't he? He was mm-hmm. uh, he was brought in at the very, very, very last minute of a window, a summer window. Um, but with four hours left, it would take something remarkable, I think, to get another body into Allen Road tonight. Um, and instead, it'll be a one-in, one-out situation. Yeah, I would like to address uh, the fact that I am, in fact, sitting in my car on the side of the motorway at this moment in time. And I've managed to, to find some light from somewhere so that I'm not speaking to everybody from the darkness. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's the magic of deadline day, isn't it? You, you find yourself, I don't know, dispatched at short notice. I was wondering if they'd have put Paveda in a car and taken him to like Donington services. So when the easy access of, of Birmingham, easy access back up the M1 to, to Sheffield, to Hillsborough, or if maybe they'd put him in a helicopter like the SPL trophy on uh, Helicopter Sunday and just had him hovering in the air um, twixt the two stadiums. But um, yeah, Sheffield Wednesday, 
uh, for Perveda as it stands in a permanent exit. Um, there was a little bit of noise about Wednesday's interest right at the outset of this month. Didn't particularly um, pick up any steam or momentum. And then Birmingham really were the front runners uh, in the last couple of days of the window. That kind of emerged today. Wednesday then matched it. And for whatever reason, you know, we're yet to hear from the player himself. Um, it looks like Wednesday have won the race um, for the little speedster. Uh, and he'll bring to an end four years at Leeds. I mean, his contract was up this summer. The chances of a renewal, pretty slim, you have to say. I mean, he's only made 30 appearances for Leeds in those four years. Hasn't scored a goal. He's got one assist in that time. I mean, little glimpses and flashes of what he can do. You know, Bielsa said that he, he has physical resources that he has, he'd never seen before. You know, loved how light and nimble and uh, quick he was, but we just haven't seen it in any sustained form, even on his loan spells. You know, he was impressing it at Blackpool. He couldn't quite sustain it for the duration of that loan and then got himself injured, didn't he? And then at Blackburn as well, he'd started to make a bit of an impact and then had that ankle injury. I think he had surgery as well on it, didn't he? Um, that cut that one short. Uh, you could have seen an exit coming for him perhaps last summer. That's when I thought he'd go. And we were always told there was MLS interest in him and some Segunda uh, interest in him that never came to fruition. Leeds held on to him. He had that fantastic cameo against Nottingham Forest uh, at um, Burton Albion in pre-season. He was, he was terrific. But 144 minutes of championship action this season, 90 of which came in the second game of the season at Birmingham, kind of says it all about where he is in the pecking order. So, you know, if you don't think you're going to use him that much, you know, he's the fifth choice winger he's probably third or maybe even fourth choice for the number 10 role, then is getting some money, getting a bit of cash back for him with six months left on his deal, the best for both parties? Probably, yeah. I'm, I'm fighting the urge now to do the Alan Partridge cash back um, <laughs> uh, catchphrase or whatever it is. I, I am literally halfway to Dundee. I'm not driving in my bare feet, fortunately. Um, and there is, un there is unfortunately no Toblerone in the car. Um, but one thing I think one thing that Leeds have done uh, especially well this month is, you know, for all this talk of profitability and sustainability, they've managed to get some big wages off the books, and f from from players who weren't really playing a major role for them. You know, Luke Ayling will have been on a, a decent wedge. Um, obviously, there, there may be the, the possibility that Leeds are still paying uh, a chunk of that with him being at, at Borough. You know, Paveda. Again, another one who was there in the Premier League will have had that wage increase and then decrease whether that, that lined up. Um, Leo Yelder, you know, getting getting a fee for him, that's that's another good bit of business. Um, and and all those all those millions, all those tens and hundreds of thousands will all add up uh, and give, just give Leeds that extra little bit of headroom when it comes to to making moves. So um, that is, I think that is one thing that even though it has been a frustrating window for fans, that's one thing that they've been pretty effective at doing is is clearing that um i don't know clear clearing out the deadwood scenes sounds a bit too harsh but you you said you said it there Pervedas had what 140 championship minutes this season yelder's not had a look in um since the first you know month of the season um they've they've done well to to get those those players off the books yeah i think i'd agree with that um i know there's been a bit of you know, well, we're making the squad even smaller and it's not a big squad to begin with. But I'd only really get outrage or or understand 
outrage if it was a player who was contributing meaningfully. I think letting Aileen go is a big call. Sending Jed Spence back is a manager's call, and you have to back your manager. If the manager says, this player is not meeting the totality of my demands and expectations in terms of the culture that we set and the standards and the principles and the values, then you have to back your manager. Because if you say, well, actually, we think we'd rather hold on to him, you're you're, you're in deep, deep water then with, with your manager, and it, it's only going to go one way. So they had to back Farker's judgment because he, you know, he has a big, big say in what the makeup of his squad and who's allowed to be in it. The A-Link thing, I get because there's a there's an, a nobility, I suppose, to letting him go to play minutes to earn a contract elsewhere. But it was risky, wasn't it? You know, if they if they came out of this window without getting a Connor Robertson, um, again speaking as if it's actually been signed, sealed, delivered when you know, we haven't yet had full confirmation, that would have looked really silly particularly if then you'd run into injury problems at fullback with the, the scant options you had left. So it was a big, big call, Ailing. We'll see, won't we, you know, how it's worked out. I mean, Connor Roberts could come here and not really play very much at all. You know, he might get a few minutes here and there. Archie Gray might remain fit and remain at right back between now and the end of the season. Stroik could be back in three weeks, four weeks, and suddenly Ampadu's back in midfield and, and all is right with the world again. Um but you just never know if injury is going to strike in a in a serious way and, and damage your hopes. Um, but I keep coming back to what Farka said. This team has been good enough to get this amount of points on the board already, to win this amount of games, to win the last five on the trot. They've got two more points than Bielsa's team did at this stage. And there's there's a discussion to be had there about the the resources that each man had at his disposal, You know, co- comparing and contrasting the two squads. But it is a good points total. It has been a good start to the season. They've put themselves in a good position. They're within two now of the uh, second spot. They could go second, albeit having played more games, if they beat Bristol City on Friday night. So they're right in there. Having not so long ago looked as if second place might just be getting out of reach. They've reeled Ipswich back in, and they're going to put a bit of pressure on the Tractor Boys. Uh so that they can hope that you know that Ipswich squad cracks a little bit under the pressure, but they're right in contention for automatic promotion, and they've managed that without all the strengthening that we kind of from the outside thought they really needed. Um, let's just see if this squad has enough and has the legs to carry it all the way. Yeah, speaking of the, the squad then and, and legs, fresh legs in the form of Connor Roberts. Um, you know, Farker was talking about somebody coming in; they had to be able to help immediately. Um, he was in action last night against. Manchester City for Burnley, um, so it'll, it'll have been a a whirlwind twenty four hours for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, should we, we should we talk about Roberts as a player? I mean, he's previously been with Swansea. Uh, he's had experience of you know challenging for the playoffs with them. Um, he's, you know, he's come up with Burnley. He's had you know he's he's been an important player for them up until um, this season. Um, Welsh international with near enough fifty caps, if not more, um, and already pretty well integrated with some key members of this lead squad um, in your, your Ampadu's, Rodens and, and James. So I think in terms of, you know, the full package, as Daniel Farker was putting it, on deadline day, I mean, you know, you, you've got a lot of a lot of clubs which are maybe scratching around trying to find something to plug a hole. Connor Roberts is a, is a player that you probably would have moved for on the 1st of January. Um, 
if you if you kind of consider all the the options and all the the factors that come into play with a transfer um you know he's he, he adds to a position in which leads are light he brings vast experience he's a good age 28 i think he is um again he's a good culture signing good good culture fit um and yes it's it's as far as we understand it it's a, it's a straight loan no option to buy um leads deciding that they you know they, they're going to try before they buy basically if um if Connor Roberts is to to stay at Ellen Road but yeah he's got 17 games potentially maybe maybe a few more if he plays in the cups in fact we'd have to check if he's cup tied actually um and and maybe playoffs so there's there's enough of a uh, enough of a sample there for him to make a real case to um to to earn himself a a permanent deal at Leeds if things all go well but i think and this i think this is the real salient point even if even if he doesn't play that much he is there in reserve or at least someone is there in reserve it it means that you don't have to flog archie gray you know a 17 18 year old for 40 plus games in this first ever professional season it also means you don't have to rely on him um which i think would maybe be a tad unfair given his age um it just gives you that extra option it gives you the it it, it reminds me of the the sub that farker made at half time on the opening day he held it at left back wasn't having a great time of it so he brought on sam byram and byram you know made that position his own until injury problems got in the way it's exactly the same on the other side now with you know roberts you'd like to think is is going to be able to if archie gray has a bad game you know just bring roberts in take the heat off for a little bit um because he's been there and done it yeah i think experience is the big thing because that's what farka talked about being difficult to add in this window an experienced player who's actually played this season um and roberts has been there and done it you know he won the championship last year he was in the championship team of the year i believe so that's twice now at leeds have picked up a loney this season that was in in a promotion side and in the championship team of the season um He'll get up and down. He has the physicality, I think, to play the style that Farker wants. Um, and yeah, it, it's another character, isn't it, who can bring a bit of nice to this team, a team that needs nice, really, because it's young and at times it's been a little bit naive this season. You wouldn't expect naivety from a player of his his experience and his age. Um, of course, he was part of that uh, Swansea City game plan that Steve Cooper put together of um, getting absolutely battered for 90 minutes and then scoring a late goal. Um, uh, <laughs> that always sat really well with Leeds fans, that one. Uh, him and Rodon both actually were in that team. Um, yeah, it just, it just, there's no real red flags, are there, with this one? No. Um, I, I don't think, it's not a project signing by any stretch. Um, and I don't particularly think he's a player that you'd be. I mean, I could be wrong, right? I could be doing a disservice. He might play an unbelievable part between now and the end of the season. But I don't know at his age if you're if you're tripping over yourself to sign him this summer, you know, to to spend a lot of money on him and make him your right back in the Premier League if you go up. But for for the now, and we can talk about, you know, how everything Leeds do at the minute seems to be about the here and now. It's get promoted, focus on getting promotion, and then start to build a project. Because, like you talked about, you know they they've been getting rid of some young players, getting young players off the books and out on loan. 
they haven't really brought any young players in and you know to say we're signing the future the young players that they have that are featuring were already here you know Jorginho Ruta was bought last January by a different regime Archie Gray's come through the academy um Cree Somerville already here Willie Nyanto already here uh and you look at the team and you think if this team goes up which it might well do there's a lot of money to be spent on this team isn't there like we've probably said it before on the podcast you almost need a new back four for the Premier League because um, Rodon's not your player uh, Connor Roberts not your player Archie Gray maybe he's going to be a Premier League right back it wouldn't surprise me if he was capable um, a year you know another year older and wiser uh, but at left back could you rely on Byram for for 36 games 38 games where it was 38 um, would you rely on Firpo in the Premier League after his previous top flight experience and how difficult it was for him so there's a lot of money that needs to be spent there, but we just haven't seen yet the kind of the project work, you know, the the bringing in of young players that they'll really base a team around in the top flight. Um, what we've seen is the business that needs to be done in the here and now, sensible business, I think you could call it, to get leads up first and foremost. Like Kamara is a perfect example of that. Which is the business that you need to do in this position. Like you could c compare and contrast with the approach that Sunderland's board have decided to, to go with and that's signing exclusively young players to play in the first team yes that's that's fair enough but i mean leads are in a better position and i think they're in a better position because they do have that yes of course they have that star quality but then again you know they, so sunderland with jack clark but they do have that i don't know extra little bit of nice i think even though that a lot of these players aren't uh, too well accustomed to this league um i'm keen to for, for, for this week's episode not to be you know, too too serious, too full on. You know, deadline days can be can be a funny affair. Um, and you were talking about uh, Junior Firpo there and whether he could be trusted. You know what? I I think it's time that we we give Junior his flowers on this podcast. He's he's been very decent recently. You know, was it four assists in three games, um, or or in four games now? Um, and I I tell you one thing I really like about him. I love the word the way that he says the word but. So when when you were speaking to him uh, after the, which game was it? It was after the Norwich game, I believe. Yeah. Was it Norwich or was it Preston? No, it was Norwich. We, we spoke to Rodon after Preston. Yes. It was after the Norwich game. And, you know, he's, he's been very, very forthcoming with what he had to say. But I just love the way that he said, but, because clearly he's learned English from someone who's got a very strong accent. It kind of comes across almost scouse. You know, it's kind of dropping a T at the end, um, which I really, really like. What else do you like about Junior Firpo, maybe off the pitch? Uh, off the pitch? Uh, yeah, see, it's, it's a curveball. See, I, might, I might be sat on the side of the road, but I'm still capable to, to deal in a, a, little, uh, a little problem question for you. Well, he's, he's honest when you speak to him. You know, he's very yep. forthright. When we spoke to him on the pitch at, at York after the game against Blackpool and he was asked, you know, about the, the upcoming season and he said, well, it can't be any worse. You know, referencing the season before and all the injuries he had, unbeknownst to all of us in that conversation, including Farpo, he'd um, he'd hurt himself, he'd hurt his knee in that game and he was then out for months. Um, and then they were relegated. 
and then they were relegated. So yeah, actually, Junior, uh, you're entirely incorrect. As charming as you might be, um, yeah, I like I like the fact that he's honest. He is a very good talker. When we spoke to him after Norwich, he was good, very good value. Admitted that you know, automatic promotion is what they want. You don't often get players willing to stick their neck out on that. And again, he was quite self-depreciating when we we talked about um, self-deprecating. Sorry, when we talked about him this season and and injuries and. We said, uh, you know, is this the best you played for Leeds United? And he says, probably the longest. And did a great big hearty Spanish laugh, um, or, or <laughs> D- Dominican laugh, whichever, whichever he he, uh, he claims or identifies with. Uh, Sounds like a cocktail. Are always very well manicured in terms of his um, facial hair as well. Immaculately manicured facial hair. I was going to say, actually, to anyone who's watching this on Shots TV, they might have noticed that Graham is sporting a little bit more of uh, facial fluff at the moment. Um, is that is that something to do with being a year older? Oh no! What have I said? What have I said? Was it was it your birthday this week, Graham? Yes, it was my birthday this week. Uh, it was it was the day that is traditionally transfer deadline day, so it was quite nice this year for deadline day not to ruin my birthday entirely. Um, no, the facial hair is just uh, it's just, just a phase. I actually shaved my beard off the day before I took this job because I did have a beard um, that was very large at the time. Uh, so I've not decided if this will stay or not. Um, I am feeling like slightly rough, so maybe the beard suits for that as well. Uh, and also, I'm not going to have time to shave because we're about to embark on the world's longest footballing journey um, between here and Bristol and here and Plymouth and here in Swansea and here and Plymouth. Um, thanks very much to Leeds United for that 1-1 draw in the FA Cup. The one thing they didn't want to happen, uh, the looks <laughs> that everyone was giving each other in the press box after that Plymouth goal went in were a sight. You know, I, I almost wish you know they have dugout cam. I almost wish we had press box cam for that just to see all the, the face palming and the sighing and the shoulders <laughs> drooping <laughs> uh, as everyone realised that we are indeed going to Plymouth twice in a very short space of time. Once midweek and days? once early on. Oh no, no! It's it's actually it's less than two weeks. I'm 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 kind of conflating them all with Bristol tomorrow. Yeah, uh, and then Plymouth is what the seventeenth, the second time. Yeah, great. Bit of news for you: Ipswich have signed Kiefer Moore, so that's one Welshman that Daniel Farker couldn't get his hands on. This, Kiefer uh, this Roberto friend. Francisco Moore, I believe he's called. Uh, what an incredible name that is. Um. It's very doubtful, isn't it, that Conor Roberts will play any part uh, against Bristol. I saw somebody somebody always tweets and says, can he play tomorrow when you sign a player the day before a game? Will he be registered in time? He played on Wednesday night. So like the, the general kind of consensus about players' load and recovery time would suggest he won't be in position to, to feature uh, against... Although he only played half an hour, so, so maybe... Maybe there's a chance. I think it unlikely, though. I, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's Connor's topic to play on Friday night. No, um, no, probably too soon to be there with a with a, a quite brutal and open, honest, and transparent uh, debut for Leeds United. Especially with Archie being back as well. I mean, there was after the Plymouth game, there was obviously a little bit of apprehension. Um, you know, then Daniel Farker clarified what what was the issue, but it was only after he'd said the words ACL ligaments, and I think everyone was a little bit sick in their mouths. 
or at least I was, <laughs> um, at the prospect that Archie might have done his ACL. Thank God that he hasn't, um, because it's been a joy to watch him play this season. Um, and yeah, he should be available uh, again. Oh no, it wasn't after the Plymouth game, was it? So many games at Ellen Road that last week. Um, it was after Norwich, wasn't it? Uh, it was, yeah. Yeah, so he's back for this weekend against Bristol City. Um, you've got Dan James, who's maybe not quite there. Pascal Stroik, who's still a few weeks away. Who was the other one who's back this week? Uh, who, Cree, Cree Somerville. Cree Somerville. He, was having, he was having a couple of issues. He's been having a couple of issues this season. Um, he gets kicked around the pitch a lot. I don't know if that contributes, but he does get kicked a lot. But he's had issues with his glutes and his calves, according to Farker, but he only sat out the one game and he was back in training this week. Um, the strike situation is an interesting one um, because it was meant to be this slight injury that only kept him out for a very short amount of time. It hasn't worked out that way. He's missed a month of action and he's going to miss another few weeks at least. Um, but it is weeks rather than months that it's being measured in. But Farker still cannot say when Stripe will be back in action uh, with this groin problem. Um, but he is making progress, back running on the grass, just not back in, in team training. But um, but yeah, he, he has been... I don't want to say he's been a miss because Ethan Ampadu has been very, very good. But... I think it's just reassuring to have all of your best players available, you know, and in contention. Uh, so Somerville coming back is great news. Gray coming back is great news. It will be good when they get James back in action because his end product uh, this season has been sensational, really, in, in terms of the sheer relentlessness of it. Uh, and, um, and getting Stroig back will be big. But the, the injury problems aren't too severe right now. Uh Penny for Charlie Creswell's thoughts, though, you know, as as he, yeah. he returned to the picture um, for the FA Cup game, he didn't return to the starting lineup. He returned to the squad. He was in the match day squad, having ironed out, you know, the issues with with his manager. Told his manager he wanted to stay and fight for his place and accept his role. But I didn't expect him to return straight into the team. I wasn't sure about the message that would send. Uh, he's got to fight for it again and earn it. And then Leeds were, you know, looking at a centre-back today. I wonder how that went down um, or how that was explained or, or couched to Creswell, um, the idea of bringing in Suter, because Suter wouldn't particularly agree to come or be keen if he thought he was going to be behind Creswell in the pecking order and also, you know, behind Cooper, uh, Stroke, Rodon and maybe even Ampadu. Yeah, and he's a, he's a right-sided centre-half, isn't he, uh, Harry Suter? So, you know, he's someone who you'd think would be competing for a place alongside Joe Roden and Charlie Creswell rather than filling in for Liam Cooper and Pascal Stroik who've had their injury worries. Um, yeah, it is an interesting one. I, if I was Charlie Creswell, I probably wouldn't be too pleased because, you know, you've you've, effect, you've effectively been strong-armed into saying, you know, yes, Daniel, I am happy to be fourth choice and work my way up. And then all of a sudden, there was the possibility that he could have been fifth choice you know, a matter of days after him saying, yes, I'm, I'm ready and willing. So I could see if there was maybe some frustration on his part, but, you know, he, he's not going anywhere. He just has to, to work and try to get into this team, which is, you know, easier said than done when they're playing so well. Yeah, that, that's the thing that makes it difficult, I think. You know, who would you drop? You can't drop Rodon. He's in really fantastic form. He was great uh, in the last few games. So, um, and Ampadu, you know, slotted in, Perfectly. Cooper was absolutely fine 
against uh, Plymouth in the FA Cup. So um, it was more of a team failure, I think, that that goal they conceded, uh, rather than any kind of individual mistake on on behalf of the defenders. They all kind of got pulled to one side, didn't they? And um, uh, who Anthony hadn't tracked the runner quite as as well as he could do because I think he was probably tired by that stage, having played more minutes than he's had of late. Um, so the squad's not really in all that bad position, and the form they've had has has been excellent up until that disappointing, treacherous betrayal of a, an FA Cup result. Um, so which leads us on to Luis Sinistera. Um, mm. So this is an interesting one because... What, sorry, what, spoke, what was it about the words treacherous and betrayal that led you to think about Luis Sinistera after just, no, it's just, it's just, just always penciled in, always scheduled as the next section, uh, mm. Sinistera, in my mind. Um yeah, so that's an interesting one because when we broached it with Leeds, the expectation was that it wouldn't happen today, this turning of the loan into a permanent transfer. But Leeds have then since said we could do it in the next couple of days and, and it looks quite possible, likely almost, because you can turn loans into permanent deals outside of a transfer window. So that wasn't an urgent need for today, particularly when you're busy trying to get Roberts in and looking at one or two things, Pervade going out. But I'll be interested in the fee if we get the kind of full scale of it. And um, I don't think it's any great loss to Leeds that this happens now. You know, if they went up, um, then Bournemouth were going to have the chance to buy him anyway for a fee a little bit in excess of what Leeds paid, I think, not too much more. Uh, and would you really want him back, you know, after after the work, in the manner of in which he left and kind of made it very clear he didn't want to be at Leeds? Uh would you really want him back at your club? Yeah, they're all valid questions. I'm not sure many people, given the the, the form of Somerville, Ruter, and you know Nonto's potential, you know potential new contract um, on the table. Um, I'm not sure many people would be too keen to um, to have Sinistera back, even though he is you know a great asset to have. Um, speaking of wingers, uh, I think we also need to to cover. The, uh, the goal that Jaden Anthony scored at the weekend uh, against Plymouth Argyle in the Cup. Obviously, uh, an emotionally charged moment, a really, really difficult time for him uh, after losing his mother, Donna, uh, in the, the previous week. Um, and, yeah, a goal of real, real quality. Um, Ellen Rhodes absolutely, you know, on its feet, uh, really feeling the emotion of the moment, um, which Daniel Farker commented on after the game. Um and yeah, just an, an all-round really, really beautiful moment, I think. E even if the, the end result wasn't what everybody wanted in terms of the game, that in itself was, was really special. Yeah. Um, just a, a lovely, lovely moment, ruined only by the yellow card, um, which mm. got my goat a little bit. Um, yeah, Anthony's really gone through it. Um, the loss of a mother is a, is a horrible, horrible thing. And to be able to do your job so soon after, I understand that, a lot of footballers always want to play soon after tragedy because they've got it in their minds that they want to pay tribute to the loved one that they've just lost. And that was obviously the case with Anthony. You know, he'd had the T-shirt printed, rest in perfect peace, mum. And uh, yeah, it's almost written, isn't it? When that kind of, when a player is in a, in a horrible, sad situation like that. Um, always remember the, the, uh, the Billy Sharp situation after he lost his, his baby son and just how horrendous that was and he scored an absolute wonder goal just a beautiful goal 
and un- unveiled that T-shirt as tribute. And you think that's just written for the, for him to do that. And Anthony's goal was a cracker. You know, lovely bit of skill, individual run into the box, and the finish that he's always looking for, that kind of curling finish beyond the keeper into the far corner. Uh, and you could tell, actually, that Ellen Road, it meant a lot to Ellen Road as well, the kind of emotional response. And also the anger directed at the referee when he... He did what was directed by the, the laws of the game and he, he pulled out his yellow card. My personal feeling was look the other way, you know, take a reprimand from your, your higher ups if you have to. Uh, are you really going to get reprimanded though for getting it wrong in that situation and not giving him a yellow card? Because it brings up that horrible, horrible scenario. It's first half, remember. If Anthony then handles the ball on purpose or stops a, a Plymouth break in the second half, or dives, you know, does something that's a, a mandatory yellow card. What's the referee do? He puts himself in a horrible spot. The player's put in a horrible spot. Leeds could be put in a terrible spot. I mean, imagine that becomes the story then, doesn't it? Rather than lovely moment, you know, which football needs more of, lovely moments like that, rather than on a, particularly on a weekend when football's name was dragged through the mud by what happened elsewhere when it came to crowds. You know, Port Vale, you had a referee being chased around the pitch by a fan. West Brom and Wolves, everyone knows what happens there. It was it was generally pretty horrific. Um, yeah, it, I don't know. Maybe I'm making too much of it, but it just got on my goat a little bit. No, I think you're, you're right to, to share it. Um, I think a lot of people would have would have sympathised with you there uh, and, and probably agree to, to the fullest extent because it, it, it just, it seems a bit brainless, doesn't it? Especially when it's something like that. You can... To an extent, you can see why they have the rule in place, but realistically, it's, nobody's getting hurt. Like, there's no harm done. It's all just a bit, you know. Yeah, I, under, I understand as well because there's the 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 risk of political slogans, you know, which would obviously be controversial and and possibly incite. And the whole thing is about not inciting the opposition, not time wasting. Not, I get all that. Maybe a player not exposing his bare midriff. Anthony didn't, by the way. Um, you know, you don't want players lifting their shirt to say, you know, Joe Donahue is a virgin or Graham Smith's ratings are <laughs> Graham Smith's ratings are honking. Um Graham oh, Smith's oh, eyes Graham are Smith on. and the big five oh this week. Um, uh, <laughs> um Graham Smith doesn't know football. You know, no one wants to see any of that. But when it's something so heartfelt, I don't know, I, f- I feel like a referee should be allowed and, and this is aimed more for me at, at the game than it is the individual referee because he's in a tough spot there but the game has to take a beat the referee has to be allowed to look at the shirt and go you know what he's not harming anyone he's certainly not annoying the Plymouth fans who I'm quite sure will have applauded when they saw what it was were possibly even aware of what it was fans are capable of interpreting situations you know you, you, ha- you don't need to, to treat them like morons uh, or treat them like people who are just going to be furious at the drop of a hat all of the time, despite what you might think when you know when you read Twitter. Um, yeah, probably gone on about it long enough. But I was so pleased to see him score the goal, and uh, and like I said, it felt felt so written and so appropriate. I'll tell you two things from that. Um, well, from the world of Leeds over the past week that I've wanted to applaud. Um, first was the West Stand mullet. Do you remember that? No. Oh yes, you do. It was the, it was the, there was a guy who. Oh was yes, sat yes. Yeah, had one, an absolutely wonderful mullet, 
And I'm I'm not talking like Christopher Classen's attempt at it. We're talking this this has been growing for years. And he you know, you could have dropped him into sort of an Australian outback drama and he would have been the main character. Yeah. He could have been in Majestic. Yeah. He could have been a farmer in Flying Doctors who had um hammered a nail through his own hand and hit an artery, you know, and they needed to get out there quick into the outback to save him. Um it, it was it was a stunning effort. What was your other what was your other bit? Uh, the other bot is it's a farcism. I'm trying to note them down when I hear them now because <laughs> I want to bring them up on the podcast as much as possible. Um, and it was, it, it's it's only a slight deviation from the actual term that I think pretty much everyone uses in football. But Farker decided to call it the mother club rather than the parent yes. club. <laughs> and talking about, and I was just sat there. I wanted to just get up and applaud um, because that's it's somehow so German and yet so daniel farker and it's so again it's it's only a slight deviation it's only so so different though um yeah brilliant yeah, very unique, unique to his vocabulary yeah um interesting to note that here we are six months and a bit into daniel farker's reign at leeds united obviously a german man uh speaks german as his first language german words used in press conferences so far zero american former Leeds United manager, Jesse Marsh, German words used in press conferences, 53. Um, <laughs> I haven't got that data from Optus, so don't don't come for me if you, if you do that. We'll, we'll have to put a disclaimer out that you haven't actually gone through all of Jesse Marsh's no. press conferences. Um, and counted. But Jesse was yeah. so fond of saying, you know, in Germany we have a, you know, we have a word for it. In fact, he did it in his masterclass, didn't he? Um, yeah. I, I can't remember what, what the exact phrase was. But that masterclass about the, the Liverpool game um, that leads one quite a magnificent result when Melier absolutely stood on his head. Liverpool missed a few chances and had a, a better XG than than Leeds United in that game. And of course, the first goal came from a complete error, uh, a complete head stagger from the Liverpool defence. But uh, yeah, that was the masterclass. Um, speaking of former managers, shall I just very quickly tell you my Leeds United dream this week? And I want I want anyone yes. to let to let us know if they've had a Leeds United dream that is as surreal or more surreal. Or if I you dream- know the owner of the West End mullet. Yeah, <laughs> or if you are the owner of the West End mullet. Um, I dreamt that I was interviewing Jimmy Vardy about his career and we were reminiscing about his and my time at Stocksbridge when he broke through. And then, because we hadn't finished the interview and he was off to Argentina to potentially extend his career there, he paid for me to fly with him to Argentina where we bumped into Adam Forshaw in a blazer and tie, like a, like almost like if he'd gone to a boy's grammar and was wearing the blazer and tie, like they would to like a school reunion, you know, um, because he'd been to see Marcelo Bielsa, uh, but he wouldn't tell us what was discussed. Um, and, and then we asked the locals if we could go see Bielsa and they took us to him and we rang like the doorbell at the gate, and he flew out of his house absolutely livid that we'd rang the gate because kids had been doing uh, thunder and lightning on his gate and running away. Uh, but then when he saw Jimmy Vardy, he mellowed, uh, and he was remembering like Vardy's goals in the counter-attacking win against Leeds at Ellen Road. I was going to say, he wasn't remembering your uh, your questions. What, what was the one you, you reminded me of? Are you a are you a demanding man to work with in the transfer window? <laughs> he did not like that, did he? <laughs> no. 
uh yeah and uh and he really mellowed and he showed Vardy around like he showed him around his ranch um showed him this amazing lake uh and then told us that Forshaw had been there because Forshaw was looking for advice on going into management in Argentina so he'd come to gone to Bielsa and so I came away from it with an unbelievable story like I just couldn't wait to write the story um and then I woke up Got it. Absolutely, absolutely gutted. Gutted to wake up from the greatest dream ever known to man. <laughs> I'm impressed at the recall as well, especially for well now anyway, a man of your age. Well, I, well, um, I, I wrote it down as soon as I woke up because I thought you're never going to remember all this. Well, fair enough. Uh, ever the true professional. Um, yeah, we're going to close this one off um, a little bit earlier than than usual this week, uh, but we'll be back. When will we be back? After the Bristol game? After the Plymouth game? Maybe. God knows. All right, okay. And we I can't believe we've gone the entire episode without covering the fact that you did correctly predict to like the nth degree <laughs> Leeds' goal and win against Norwich. Yeah, uh, that was special. That's the second time that's happened, the manner of the goal. Uh, I got that when they beat Blackburn 3-1. Um, always a very special moment. And no, I didn't have any money on it uh, for those who, who asked. Maybe at some point I will, but I just know that the second that I stake any kind of finance on footballing knowledge, I will come a cropper instantly. Okay, so in the interest of lottery numbers and being maybe the Leeds United Oracle, what is the score going to be at Ashton Gate? And then what's the score going to be in the FA Cup replay? Uh, 2-0 win at Ashton Gate. Uh, The scene of the first ever Leeds United game that I covered, when Ben White played like... um, Prime Baresi uh, or, or Beckenbauer, and uh, and I gave him a seven, I think. Uh, and Pablo Hernandez scored an absolute beaut of an opener. And Kiko Casilla played like a man. He played like somebody was controlling him with a, the play, an old PlayStation controller, and the like, kind of direction toggle got stuck, going the wrong way, and he kept running <laughs> out of his goal in a bizarre fashion. Uh, I think they win two 0 at Bristol in the FA Cup. I think they win, ooh, 3-1. Interesting. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with a 2-1 win against Bristol City, same as the, the home game. And then I'm going to say, you might this might not be very popular, I'm going to go with another 1-1 draw against Plymouth and it goes to penalties. Oh, no. <laughs> no Can you no, imagine? No, 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 no. no. That's not... That's not what the doctor ordered at all. Not in a period just like this. For the worst. You know, we didn't do that sufficiently on the last episode, and look what happened. Yeah, uh, you're right. We we didn't adequately set ourselves up for huge disappointment and devastation. Um, well, hopefully my hopefully my prediction happens in in the regulation ninety minutes. Too right. Well, um, I'm going to have to hit the road. Uh, all will be revealed. I'm fairly sure. Uh, and all probably already is revealed by the time you're listening to this as to why I'm sat on the side of the road. Um, but yeah, we'll um, we'll speak to you very soon and uh, happy deadline day, or at least it's turned into one. So from us at the Inside Ellen Road podcast, um, bye for now. The Inside Ellen Road podcast is sponsored by PR Supplies at Unit 2 Wither Park Industrial Estate in Leeds. PR Supplies, everything for the home.